Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. The Book of Joe podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey there, welcome back. It's the latest episode of the Book of Joe podcast with me, Tom Verducci, and of course, Joe Madden. And Joe, we have reached the League Championship Series. So this episode, we want to break down both what happened in the Division Series and what will happen in the LCS. How you doing, Joe? Good morning. I'm doing well. How about you, sir? I know you're doing a lot of traveling and... um... Not easy, but also fun. Um, I'm going to petition that they start flying you everywhere privately. Somehow we're going to get that done. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, hey, listen, what jumps out at me, Joe, what do you got? is the top five teams, if you go strictly by regular season records, they're all out. And not only did they go out quickly, you know, they went out winning one game. I'm talking about the Braves, the Orioles, the Dodgers, the Rays, and the Brewers. One and 13 this postseason. So we're left with an LCS with three wild card teams and the Houston Astros that won 90 games. Uh, listen, I know there's been some carping out there from people. People love to complain. We, we all know that, right? And now it's like, well, let's do something to advantage the divi- division winners a little more. Stop it, people. This is postseason baseball. Nobody complains when you get upsets in the NCAA tournament or the the NFL playoffs. People say, oh, this is great. Didn't see this coming. Uh, What happened was in the the LDS division series, those games, those series did not go the maximum distance. So those teams didn't get stretched in the first round and were able to bring people back. And listen, there's a lot of off days, as you know, Joe, in the postseason. 
so I don't think those teams were as harmed as much because we didn't have series go the maximum number of games in the first round. So just stop it, people. Stop the complaining. There's nothing wrong with the format. You know, it's going to change anywhere in a few years when we get the 32 teams uh, where you don't have teams sitting around. But listen, I don't think sitting around for five days is a big deal, Joe, when the other team you're facing does get extended, has to really use up their pitching, and has to start the next round with their number three or four against your number one. But we just didn't get that. So, listen, I don't think there's a huge difference between a 90-win team and a 90 say four win team. I think the playoffs have been great. Stop complaining about the postseason format. The Phillies beat the Braves three out of four games, fair and square. What do you got on that, Joe? Yeah, hundred percent agree. Uh, you know, the rules of engagement going into the season, you know, how the playoffs set up, you're happy as can be to get to the playoffs in the first place, regardless if you won a hundred games or if you're the last team in there, what was that? Uh, maybe the diamondbacks, with 84 wins, regardless, you're there. You're you're at the you're at the tournament. You're in the dance. You, went, you got invited to the dance. So, uh, was having said all that, um, there's there's nothing to change. I don't believe it's 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 uh, being done exactly as it should be done. Uh, and like I said, you know you know what's going on when the season begins. You know uh, what it takes to get there. Once you get there, you know what it takes to win. So that's that's even moot to me. I don't even understand why that would be a consideration. Everybody wants to uh, attempt at some point to. Uh, impose their own methods or wills if they're not getting the, the the conclusions that they're looking for it's just just leave it alone it's it's very uh good the way it is and number two it's just serendipitous uh i think this year uh with the the wild cards kicking buck butt and the teams are getting rest not i i love getting rest i i know i give a perfect example uh, when we played the wild card game in uh cleveland several years ago i can't remember the year i always forget my years on that um was uh, uh alex cobb started it but we had to beat toronto toronto on a Sunday, we had to beat Texas and Texas on a Monday night just to get to the uh, wild card game against Cleveland on a Wednesday, I think it was, to play Boston in the playoffs as a wild card, as a um, uh, ALDS. And we were, we were beat. I mean, like you said, your pitching is absolutely destroyed just to get there. I guess you could say somewhat that it speaks to the depth of your group and the planning in advance. Okay, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that under advisement or consideration. But I'd much prefer getting our rest. I do. I just think it just happened this year this way. And like, no, like I said, just, you know, the rules, so I'll just play it that way. And uh, yeah, it just happened to turn out one, one in 13. That's incredible. Uh, but that's the way the, the baseball cookie crumbles sometimes. Yeah. Well said, Joe, I, I liked everything you said and listen the, the the purpose of the postseason is not to rubber stamp the best regular season team, you know, as well as anybody, if not better, it's a different kind of season. It's played in a different way. You shorten your rotation. You shorten the guys you're using your bullpen. You may do some things strategically with your offense uh, because of the urgency that's different than the regular season. It's not 1968 anymore, folks. We're not trying to rubber stamp regular season winners with the World Series. All right? If you go back the last two years, there's been 19 playoff series. The team that had the fewer wins in those matchups won 12 of the 19 series. It's not unusual, nor should we think it's wrong. So again, if you hear someone complaining about the format and they want to come up with their own format to make things quote unquote better, like you said, Joe, they're essentially looking for a result that they want, which is, Hey, let's get the better team through the postseason. That's not what we have. That's not what we've had for years. People have accepted. Now when we get to postseason and sports, it's about upsets. It's about the possibility that things 
will not follow chalk. And I think baseball fans are totally cool with that. So, again, you hear somebody carping about the postseason schedule. Cover your ears. Don't listen to them. I also think that um, what you're seeing, the teams that really did shore up their holes or deficiencies towards the end of the season with when it got to the trade deadline, et cetera, or what they stockpiled uh, leading into it. Um, what's the young hitter's name for the Rangers that's that's really showing up, the left-hand hitter? Evan uh, Carter. Boy, Carter, right. he's impressive. Wow. Well, they, they've, they've had this in their back pocket the whole time, knowing that this guy was going to be available and be impactful when it got to that point. You know, the, the trade of Jordan Montgomery, uh, getting Montgomery is another example with Texas, with CY did. Um, I, I don't even want to send to the radar because I've always been a fan of this fella. So they shored up whatever holes they might have had, and they knew what they had in their minor league system that was going to come to bear at the end of the season. Also, that's going to be uh, very useful. Uh, so I think if you look at the teams that did things like that, and to a, to a certain extent, I don't even know, like you can't even say that about necessarily the Diamondbacks. I just think that the they they played so well, then they played so badly. It was almost like they were the tail of two or three teams this year. But they're playing with a lot of energy and enthusiasm and more skill uh, than people had given them credit for. Uh, very athletic. Their pitching has really stepped it up. But they're they're like they have they're playing like they have nothing to lose, and that's probably the uh, the the real the one component to their method right now that's permitting them to be this good right now and what they just did to the Dodgers. They're playing so loosely. I mean, you, the, the camera, I love when the camera gets in there a little bit tight sometimes and you watch, uh, you know, the visceral reactions of the players and you can just see how much fun and, and the moment these guys are where you could absolutely see the Dodgers are pressing. They're expected to win. Here we go again. We, uh, we won World War, one World Series over the last how many years and that was a COVID year, a shortened season. We got to get this done. We got to get this done. And the other team says, man, we're just happy to be here. And they let it loose. Um, and anyway, we could go. We could make. You could talk about all these different varied reasons and and apply uh, rationale to them. But I'm just saying, you got to shore up your holes. Uh, you got to figure it out whether it's some. You might need a pinch runner. You might need another bullpen dude or two. You might need a starting pitcher or two. Whatever that might be, because it's showing up. And and final point with. I'm sure you're going to get to the Phillies, but God, I mean, just attitude, brother. Attitude. Uh, these guys aren't afraid of anything. Uh, like the the stuff that's really. Un- Unquantifiable. What, what am I talking about here? Just watch, just feel, just see. This, this. That's why the Phillies are so good. That's why the Diamondbacks are so good right now. They got this vibe going on. They caught a wave, and they're they're not going to give it up. I, I'm glad you brought it up. Let's start with the D-backs and the Phillies, Joe, and and how they got there and what we see going forward here. Um, and I think you do have to start with Citizens Bank Ballpark. <laughs> I mean, it is literally if you go by all venues in postseason history at least 20 games, it's the toughest place to win a game. I think it's 28 and 11 now. Uh, the Phillies are at home. You, you, you can feel that momentum. And I thought Trey Turner made a great point that with the pitch timer especially, momentum is even more important. Baseball is even more of a momentum game uh, with the pitch timer, you can't have these veteran pitchers literally slow the game down like the way they used to. As a manager, you better have people up and ready in the bullpen quicker with the pitch timer. That being said, I just think the energy in that ballpark really does help a kind of a team that, to me, Joe, the Phillies feed off of that energy. It's a bunch of you know baseball rats, a bunch of extroverts on that team who, who love the attention, who are, are going to look for chips to put on their shoulder and play with them and use energy energy and emotion to their advantage. As you know, it can be a disadvantage if it gets away from you in the postseason. We've seen that happen with some young players. But this Phillies team feeds off of that. So 
yes, Arizona's hot. Um, Tori Lovello has done a great job with that bullpen. They figure some things out. Brent Strom is a difference maker as a pitching coach. Uh, that first round, though, you know, you get the extra off days. I just think that this Arizona team going up against the Phillies team, which to me is much deeper in a longer series, that's an uphill climb for the Diamondbacks. Listen, they've got this far. Can they win four? Absolutely. But I just think the, the calculus is a little bit different having to play in Philadelphia and especially now having your depth tested in a longer series. To me, Philadelphia and Rob Thompson, they have more better choices. I agree. I agree with all that. And uh, just to speak to your, what you had mentioned earlier, playing uh, playoff games, we played the World Series there in 2008 with the Rays. And uh, I don't think we, we, we lost both of our games there. And uh, especially in the, the one that was delayed forever that eventually we came back and uh, uh, concluded and lost. But uh, it is, it's a different, um, it's different. It's different. The, the, the ballpark's different in a sense. The way it's, it kind of envelops you and the fans themselves. Listen, I'm from near there in Pennsylvania. You're not far away yourself. And uh, I've been down there. I've sat in the stands. I know what's going on. And, and you know, these, these folks really are rallying around their group right now. They have energized them. There's no question. And like you said, the players themselves, um, they're, they're who they are, their makeup, uh, how they respond. Um, they, love, they love playing in the crowd. All of that stuff uh, absolutely um, uh, morphs into this entire atmosphere, attitude that's, that's been developed in that city over time. Uh, the thing I'm curious about, and I don't, it's, it's, it's hard to, we'd have to almost ask uh, Dave Dombrowski, whatever, but uh, did they really bear down on makeup? Like when you're making, I mean, I know so many times as a, um, a scout and a minor league manager, the, 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 when you talk about a player, when you talk about Tom Berducci, a lot of it comes down to what do you think about his makeup? Uh, how's he going to handle dif- difficult situation? How does he handle failure? Uh, what do you think about him in Citizens Bank ballpark in a playoff game in a World Series moment? How do you think he's going to react to something like that? We used to have those kind of conversations. And uh, it just seems to me that they nailed makeup on this group. Um, and I, that's that's the part that really uh, attracts my eye to this team. I mean, I know Schwerbs, of course. I know Nicky Castellanos, and I know Brandon Marsh. I know Lorenzen Michael's there, but he hasn't played yet there. But um, I know the makeup of these guys. And, of course, you know Harper, et cetera. Stott, Stott to me is, uh, God dang, that's that's – I don't know where this guy comes from. I don't know who scouted him, but that's great. To me, that's great scouting right there. So I love watching him play. Boehm is really established. Boehm, a couple of years ago, was like ready to be skewered by the Philly fans, and he turned it around. And look at him right now. He's playing to the crowd like, um, like, like, a, like a veteran. you know. And so I, that's the part about this group that is interesting to me and is really good old, uh, old-fashioned scouting. I just like the makeup of this group. Uh, and they do they they do run towards the word pressure, and they do uh, run towards the word expectations, and I love that. I think uh, you know as a fan, if I'm a baseball fan, I want to watch the Phillies play baseball. Hundred percent, Joe. I think you have to start with Bryce Harper when you think about the the vibe of that team and, and the way that they that they accept pressure, actually want pressure. As Bryce said himself. That dude's been playing with pressure literally his whole life. I mean, since he started playing baseball, he was always the best player on the field. Uh, Of course, I wrote the story about him where he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated at the age of 15 or 16. Um, You know, people out of jealousy when he's competing against them always wanted him to fail. The expectations were always sky high. He never played a game in his life where he just walked on the baseball field like another player. Everyone always knew who he was. 
even if they had not met him. They had heard of Bryce Harper throughout travel baseball, throughout the minor leagues. He's played with that pressure, and as he said now, he doesn't have that pressure anymore. It's just simply about going out there and playing and winning, and I, I think they, they follow his lead. Now, you and I were both on the Phillies before this postseason began. I said the key for me with the Phillies, and I love everything you said about their makeup, and it, it does show up in a postseason environment. I said the key for me was Aaron Nola. And, boy, you watch the way he's throwing the ball right now, Joe. They, they've got that strong one-two punch with Wheeler and Nola. Give credit to Caleb Cotham, the pitching coach. He straightened out mechanically Nola at the last two starts of the regular season. He's carried that into the postseason. Listen, you and I, as I said, were both on the Phillies before this began, and, and they're playing the way that I, I thought they would play, maybe even better, because now, as you mentioned, Nick Castellanos He's hitting the back half of your lineup there is a complete force. So uh, it's a deep lineup. They can run and steal bases. Trey Turner is playing out of his mind. Harper, we know he loves the big spot, but the big key for me now is they got their one and two in place in Wheeler and Nola. But the other thing, absolutely about the pitching, but I was uh, was curious about how they're going to set up the lineup yesterday because Atlanta had some left-handed relievers, and they kind of went left, right, left, right, um, and then I think it was left, right, right, left. Uh, my point is they've got great balance up and down the lineup. you got Marshy hitting eighth, and he's tearing it up. I mean, I really love what Brandon's doing right now. I'm very happy for him. Uh, this young man, I had him in Anaheim. Um, he just needed to settle into a couple things. Uh, when they were making that acquisition, uh, Boa had called me. Larry asked me about him, and I said, he just needs more information. All Brandon, need is more, Brandon needs was more information. He's got the athleticism. And my interpretation of him when I first saw him uh, Marcy with the angels was that I love the way his body moves. That's, uh, that's, that was my first impression of him. It just, he just glides bounce. It's just very athletic about him. So he's at the bottom. And then Nikki Castellanos only hits lines and gaps. That was my, again, my interpretation of him. It's incredible how, when he swings the bat, the ball goes on either line or in either gap. Normally, um, it's a, it's a, he stays with the ball so long, and he turned around a hundred mile an hour fastball, elevated yesterday, elevated, and that ball was crushed. When the moment he hit it, obviously you could see his reaction. And like I said, Stott, I mean, and Real Mudo's being Real Mudo right now. And this guy's caught a lot this year, but this guy, he's he's a cornerstone of any organization or group. Uh, he's he's a throwback catcher, and I like him a lot. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm you know I'm going on and on about him, but I do I believe all of that. Their balance in their lineup is so good. And I'm always going to be curious because I I like with their lefties. Normally, I like to have two righties behind a significant lefty to try to protect them. But they didn't. They they went away from that. Part of it is their lefties hit lefties too. They're not afraid of their lefties on lefties, and that's been nurtured through the entire season. We talked about you know the platoon advantage stuff, which really you know resonates nicely and it it sounds very good. But I'll tell you what, if you get like everyday guys that can go out there left on left and show up and, and hold their own and actually play really well. When it gets to this time of the year, uh, when the other team forces you to turn your lineup over, they make you pinch it earlier uh, because of the game situation. I got to go to my platoon guy. Then that sets up into your advantage in the latter part of the game. It's, you know, of course, this guy's not going to come through all the time. So you could flip him and get back to advantage you based on the latter part of the game and your relief pitcher. So all this stuff is playing because the Phillies go out there, they they play their guys, their guys have confidence against lefties too. And that's the difference maker for me. Hey, Joe, watching game uh, four of the NLDS, Philly closes out against Atlanta. The way it ended, I couldn't help but flash back to game seven of the 2016 World Series. 
because the game came down to Matt Strom, who had two saves all year, pitching to Vaughn Grissom, mm-hmm. who basically was in AAA all year. Right. And, of course, Game 7 in 2016 was Mike Montgomery with no saves in his career, pitching to Michael Martinez. Martinez was in the game because Terry Francona went to his bench to take Coco Crisp out of the game in a possible sack fly situation. And Grissom was in the game because Brian Snitker started running through his bench to try to get this game tied. And it went back to a decision he had. I'm curious your take on this. He had Michael Harris up against a struggling Jose Alvarado and chose to hit Travis Darno, which brought Craig Kimbrell into the game. And Darno wound up getting a walk, and then Kimbrell got Acuna. By the way, Acuna had three pitches to hit in that at-bat. He did not have a good series. Um, Kimbrell left a couple of fastballs over the middle. He's actually a little bit late on those. Um, But that's how Grissom wound up getting in as kind of the 26th man to end the game there. Uh, To me, it was a questionable call. Alvarado was struggling. You knew if you brought Darno up to hit for Michael Harris that you were going to get right on right, Kimbrell on Darno. Uh, but I understand the thinking that he thought that was his opportunity right there, and you kind of damn the ninth inning because you don't know what's going to come at that point. Well, I'm betting, I'm betting dollars to donuts that he liked um, Darno and Kimbrough much better than he liked Harris and Alvarado because Harris has been struggling offensively. There's no question, and Darno, I mean, this guy hits home runs in the postseason, and and Kimbrough's not sharp. I mean, I, I watched him yesterday, and I've been watching him. Agreed. He's yeah. making a lot of uh, mistakes. He's he's uh, pulling a lot of pitches out of his zone. So I think um, at that point that actually wanted Kimbrel in the game also. So these are the kind of things you think about. Uh, who's better? What's a better opportunity? Is the lefty on our lefty, or yeah, they're going to bring Kimbrel in? But I like uh, I like Darnell's chances better. Right, he's swinging the bat better, and the guy likes hit home runs this time of the year. And then furthermore, the people that uh, right after him, the pinch hitter. Here comes Acuna, and I, he he swung at a, a pitch underneath him. I couldn't believe that one. I don't even know what. That was a changeup, whatever they came through that, or a, a backdoor, like a backup breaking ball. He yeah, that, that was over. a backup breaking ball, exactly yeah, yeah. a front door yeah. breaking ball that he just he lost, he had slipped out of his hand, and yeah, that was well out of the zone. That was the pitch. I mean, I, I mean, although he almost hit one out anyway, but that was the pitch because otherwise he gets a he gets a much better count. He got a much more aggressive posture at that point. I'm speaking of Acuna, and that 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 pitch to me kind of turned it around because he actually looked like. Uh, like uh, nonplussed a little bit, uh, Acuna did after that swing. So I, I would have done the same thing. I think Snit did the right thing. Yeah, you know it's interesting. Well, we talked. You talked about Brandon Marsh, and only needed some, was some information. Well, he's got, one, I think, one of the best hitting coaches in baseball there with the Phillies and Kevin Long. Kevin Long is a difference maker. Brent Strom, pitching coach for the Arizona Diamondbacks, is a difference maker. I mean, you get to this part of the season, folks, and it is a lot about getting your guys ready, having a game plan, whether it's on the mound or in the batter's box. And uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch those two essentially go at it. You think about the Phillies offense against Arizona's pitching staff. Those two guys have been around the block a couple of times, know what they're doing. And when we get back, I want to tell you about a difference maker in the American League Championship Series. And it's a player, not a coach. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. 
that frustrating thing your mom does, or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Book of Joe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Book of Joe. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, welcome back to the Book of Joe podcast, the American League Championship Series. It's, it's all Texas. Texas State Championship, besides the American League pennant, is on the line. It's the Rangers and the Astros. And I mentioned difference makers, Joe, and I, I do believe that we get to this time of year, and there's so much information. It, the coaches have so much of an impact on what happens. You, you see a lot of conversations. You see it during the regular season, but especially in the postseason. You'll see Brent Strom go out to the pitching mound whenever it's a critical spot in the game. And and he will run those conversations. That's not a listening session for that coach. Uh, and the same with Kevin Long on the other side. You look at the left-handed hitters especially. He's always been great with left-handed hitters, and that, that's, that's Philly's DNA. As you said, lefties don't bother their lefties hitters. In the ALCS, I'm looking at Martin Maldonado. I mean, it, it's amazing what he does in the course of a game to run a game from behind the plate. You will not see Houston pitchers shake him. They have total trust in what he does behind the plate. And I'm telling you, there's nobody in baseball history, nobody who has had as many at-bats as Martin Maldonado in his career 
and been such a poor hitter in terms of batting average. And the reason for that is they keep running his name out there in the lineup because he's a difference maker behind the plate. I'm telling you, I've seen it so many series, Joe. I talked to Carlos Correa after the Twins were eliminated. And when I asked him, why is this team, the Astros, so difficult to take out? Obviously, he spent you know the last six, seven years with the Astros. He said, it's Martin Maldonado. He, he said, I hate to give him credit because I know, <laughs> you know I'm going to see and talk to him in the offseason and he's going to rub it in, but he's the difference. He, he exposes weaknesses of hitters like nobody else. He pitches backwards in key spots. And think about this, Joe. The last pitch a game for the ALCS or ALDS, full count to Max Kepler with Carlos Correa sitting on deck. Presley did not want to get to Correa. He said that after the game. All of us watching the game knew that. And it's a full count. He just struck out two hitters on full full count breaking pitches. And it's Max Kepler at a full count. During Up to that point in the year, Presley had thrown breaking balls 85% of the time that he gets to a full count. So what does he throw? Fastball. Kepler absolutely locked up frozen called strike three. That's Martin Maldonado. Yeah, you're you're hundred percent right about that. Um and and that's just uh that's just paying attention. That's that's eyeballs, that's feel. I I, I saw the exact same thing and I said, damn, that was good. Because that the hitter had no chance at that particular juncture. Yeah, Maldonado is absolutely a throwback kind of a uh player catcher. Uh he's the uh, rocking chair for that entire entire pitching staff. Um if he's back there, um, they feel good about it. You don't care what he does offensively. He'll, he'll come up with a big hit now and then. But that's the last thing you're concerned about. And uh, I love that. I love that that he still fits in and that he's still relevant in our game today. Uh, on the other side, Rio Muto is kind of like that too, although Rio Muto can, is going to supply more offense and he could run. Uh, part of this guy's package is that he, he, could, he is a very good runner. And how about the, the kid now with um, the Diamondbacks? Uh, the catcher. Oh, Gabby Montero. Montero. Yeah. My goodness. I've been, He's impressive on both sides. Of the yeah. Ball. I've been watching this because, you know, I didn't get the chance to see them a lot this year. And uh, that kid provides a lot of energy and he could really play for, you know, for me, for us, we had, uh, I was always, I've always been a Wilson Contreras fan. I always thought we should plug into him. And Wilson, uh, you know, still learning possibly how to call the game a little bit better, but he's gotten better at that too. But I just like the catching position to plug into when you have, when you have a, a, a pertinent catcher, somebody that that for me that would mean that he has to have uh, or be more concerned about his pitching staff than he is concerned about himself and his hitting. When you get that guy behind the plate, that's when your pitching staff can really uh, take off and become a dominant or dynamic. Um, and I've always I've had really good catching prospects historically. Uh, every organization I've been in, whether it's the minors or the major leagues, but if they're not committed to that pitching staff. Uh, it's somehow there's just a disconnect there and it never really wants to work out. Um, pitchers, when a pitcher, as a catcher, when the pitcher says to you and he really means it, that he really likes throwing to you and I want to throw to you or he, or he declares, I want to throw to so-and-so, my goodness, there's no higher compliment to a catcher in baseball than when his pitching staff declares, I want him behind the plate. Uh, I don't even know how you could evaluate that except that you're going to have a much better pitching staff. So these guys, you're right about Maldonado. He brings it out. I think Real Muto does. Uh, the young man in, in the, with the Diamondbacks uh, probably will eventually. Uh, and maybe he's doing it right now. I just haven't watched him enough. But that catching position um, is so – it's just the quarterback. 
Is it the quarterback or is it the middle linebacker? I've always have a hard time with that because, <laughs> yeah. because, you know, it's, you're playing defense, but you're, you're still calling the plays. It's a combination of both. So uh, I, you're right on with that. Last point, coaches that make an impact. Uh, my first playoff was in 2002 and we were in New York and Mickey Hatcher. Love, love me some Mickey Hatcher. We're in a small coach's room having our team meeting with the, with the position players and Mickey could get really uh, emotional and he just implored our guys, just do one thing, just do one thing only. And I'm sitting there listening. I want you to do one thing, and that's just run hard. Always run hard. He said, if you do that, you'll never embarrass yourself, and the outcome's going to be good. And I sat on the floor, and I listened to Mickey uh, say that, and who's been in a lot of different playoff scenarios. That one little speech by Mickey I thought was really uh, helpful to our entire group, and of course, that's something I've carried through with all my managing. But um, Buddy Black is a pitching coach, very dynamic. Ron Renicki is a third base coach. Wow. Rags did some stuff out there. People have no idea. And, of course, uh, Alfredo at first base, Griffin. We had this little triangulation going on among us. And, um, yeah, uh, I've always thought that that coaching staff in 2002 uh, really helped get that team over the hump, whereas I've been on some coaching staffs that could work exactly the opposite and tear it apart. Yeah, good point. That was an amazing coaching staff. And of course, many of, of you guys went on to manage successfully uh, other major league teams. You know, Maldonado is going to catch every game. Verlander wants to throw to him. Valdez always throws to him. Javier always throws to him. Maybe if you get to a game four and Dusty wants to go with uh, JP France, you might see Yanir Diaz behind the plate just to give Maldonado a day because you are looking at three straight games in the middle of a seven-game series. But otherwise, you know, I, Dusty, I, I can't say he took heat for it, but a lot of Astros fans wanted to see the kid Diaz behind the plate because he does have some pop. He's going to be a really good major league player and catcher. There's no question about it. But he's not ready to call a major league playoff game above – Martin Maldonado. It's just not there. I mean, he, he, you know, he played, he had he got a start as a DH the other day, went 0 for 5 with four punch outs, but it's more about running the pitching staff. And there's no way you're not going to put Maldonado out there. He's a weapon behind the plate. So when fans start looking at these numbers, Joe, and they see there's a, a young offensive player like Diaz, and you want to get, you know, a little more pop in the lineup as opposed to Maldonado, who's basically a 207 career hitter. Um, that's not where the value is. And, and you know, as a manager, as a former catcher, what that guy can do for you behind the plate in a postseason environment, especially, you, you can't run away from that. You've got to embrace it. Be careful with your wish for, right? Um, the thing about uh, uh, Maldonado, and you've seen it, and I know I've seen everybody's recognized it, how he walks out to the mound when he has to walk out to the mound. There's an, uh, a, a, a severe calm about him. He's so calm. And it really reeks of Yadier Molina, what he did with the Cardinal pitching stuff. And I've often thought that Maldonado's kind of uh, patterned himself after Yadier in regards to his, his mannerisms and how he moves. And there's a calmness about him. And for all these people that are clamoring for the young catcher to play, go ask the pitching staff what they think. Um, I'm from every starter to the last guy in the bullpen. And that's what matters the most. Um, when it comes down to the offense, they have, they have eight other guys that they really need to, to garner their offense from, but they have to rely on the catcher, this one spot to provide the offense that they need to win the games. They're missing the point because what he does in regards to 
defending against runs from the other team, run prevention, what he's able to do, that that's that's the true value. Is that is that the equivalent of a two-run homer? Is that a you know blooper to right uh, with runners on second and third and two outs? What is that? What what is it? How do you how do you quantify that? How do you how do you equalize that between what he can do offensively and what he can do defensively? That's how I look at it. When my catchers aren't really good offensively, how does he drive in his runs otherwise? How about balls in the dirt that he blocks? How about controlling the running game? How about permitting your pitcher just to worry about the hitter and not worrying about the guy at first base because he does such a good job of throwing and being accurate? These are the kind of things that, I mean, that's that's part of my issue when you're breaking down a game. Get into it. If you really want to break it down, get into it. Just because a, a manager brings in a relief pitcher and a guy gets a hit doesn't mean it's a bad decision. How about everything I'm just talking about there regarding the catcher and why I utilized him? Or the, the move that you talked about with the, um, Harris hitting and the lefty on the mound and bringing the pinch hitter. What? Why did he do that? What are all the ancillary components of that that you never even talk about? That's what it is, and that's why Maldonado is so important because this guy's just he's just dripping with intangibles. Well, let's talk about how Houston can beat Texas because you know Texas's path to winning a postseason series is going to be through their offense. I mean, that is just a dynamic offense. You mentioned the kid Evan Carter. To me, that's that's a lineup changer. I mean, he will not go outside of the strike zone. But at the same time, he's selectively aggressive. If you throw a cookie in there, he's not taking for the sake of taking. He's he's made that lineup so much deeper. So to me, it's about controlling Texas's offense. How does Houston do that? Think about this. And again, this goes back to Maldonado. In the last two years, you're going to see more fastballs in the postseason than in the regular season. That's because you're going to see more power relievers in the game, right? They're going to pick up more innings, uh, managers quicker to go to those power arms. Velocity plays, we get that. But in each of the last two years, the Astros actually throw fewer fastballs in the postseason than they do in the regular season. That's Maldonado working backwards with a staff that can control the breaking stuff. Watch Verlander pitch. You know, if you're thinking that's Justin Verlander throwing high four seamers at 97, uh, you know, you're going back to 2006. That's not Justin Verlander. His breaking stuff is off the charts good right now, and he goes to it more than he ever has in his career. So I expect you're going to see a ton of breaking stuff against the Texas lineup. This is what Houston does. They're good at it. It's Maldonado, the way he calls a game. And I know, Joe, here on the show in the past, you've talked a lot about Corey Seager. Don't throw him a strike. Um, controlling the Texas lineup starts with Corey Seager. And I'm, I'm telling you, he, he's going to see a ton of spin in this series. Yeah, um, just talking about all that, the thing that stands out about the the Astros to me, I just wrote down three of their starters, Valdez, Verlander, and Javier. I think uh, all three of these guys have reverse split in them. I think, like, um, believe it or not, uh, Framber Valdez, I would start more lefties against them. Uh, this guy, um, that breaking ball underneath is change up. And then his elevated fastball really plays well against righties. Verlander, watch how he gets underneath lefties with that breaking ball that you're talking about. And Christian Javier, I know he's getting hit by lefties this year, but this guy still, when he's right, he's able to elevate and and do different things to left-handed hitters. I don't know what got him off of his game because when I first saw him, he was more reversed than straight up. Um, I mean, being more conventional. I I, I always pay attention to this with pitching staffs in lineup construction and and moves that you want to make during the game. it's so another thing that I think should be spoken about more readily is that um, when, whereas uh, the conventional pitchers, uh, you know, righty on right, you know, you, I want righties on my righties and lefties on my lefties. Sometimes it works the other way. Uh, I know in the last series against the Twins, we talked about it. Verlander against 
Um, a couple of those lefties in that lineup for the Twins was devastating. Uh, they were like one for 15 and one for 16. Uh, you'll remember the names of the hitters that better than I will, but I look at stuff like that. I like to look at reverse splits. Uh, I think Jordan Montgomery is a guy that can get a right-hander out, no question, as an example. Um, these are the kind of things that are interesting to me. And um, uh, I, if I could get my if – I, when I have reverse split pitchers against, I really want to pay attention to my lineup construction at that point because it's going to make a big difference. Yeah, and don't forget, we're probably, I would think, I expect to see Max Scherzer in this series for the Texas Rangers. That's another possible difference mm-hmm. maker. Um, listen, he hasn't pitched for a while with that strain, the muscle strain, but uh, he did throw to a, a live session, uh, simulated game the other day. That tells me he's good to go. I mean, unless he came out of that session really feeling s- totally sore, I just don't see Max with a, a possible seven-game series lined up here saying, no, I can't go. He's going to take the ball, and then it's up to Bruce Bochy to decide how he wants to line him up. Uh, to me, Joe, I always look at game three, your game three starter, as a huge pivot point in a seven-game series. I know Joe Torre always talked about this. If you look at umpire rotations, that's why he puts the crew chief in that spot. Um, it's a swing game, right? The series shifts venues. It's either tied or one team is fighting for its life down 2-0. Um, and also, typically, you'll see the game three starter come back lined up for a game seven start. All those things come into play. Um, so Verlander, Scherzer, they start the year with the Mets. Here they are in the ALCS. Former teammates, of course, not just with the Mets, but with the Tigers. It'll be interesting to see how the rotation is lined up for Bruce Bochy and the Rangers, Joe. Yeah, I, I could see Scherzer being the opener in that game, really. Um, I don't know how deep that would go, but if he is able to pitch, let's just say if he gets stretched out to 60 pitches, maybe 75, I don't know. But that could set him up well for the next time if he's needed. And it's also going to tell you a lot regarding uh, where he's at physically. So uh, if in, they're not going to throw him out there unless they think they can do it. I, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. Um, I know Max is going to say that he can. Uh, I didn't see the bullpen like you talked about, but of course they did. And they evaluated it very closely. So if he's the quote-unquote opener in that third game. You just ride him as long as you can, and then you just line it up after that because they'll be coming off of an off day, correct? There's going to play two games, and there's an off day. Is that right? Right. That's right. So there'll be a nice bullpen available to them the day that he pitches. Um, and that, that could be rather interesting, and he could be uplifting you know, to the Rangers. Not like they need to be uplifted any more than they already have, but I could see something like that happening. One more last point, though. He came out of the bullpen against us. This, I'm not saying bullpen right here, but he came out of the bullpen against us in game five, uh, Nationals versus the Cubs um, in 2017, I think it was, right? That that uh, knockdown, drag him out game in, in Washington um, and did not perform well. We, we we got him. I think Addison had a big hit down the left field line. So there's, you know, there's all these different things. Uh, when the guy's out of his comfort zone, he's not right. And just because his last name has a pedigree attached to it, it's just, you just can't 100% count on it. But I do think it's fascinating and interesting. The game you mentioned in Washington, by the way, that was a crazy game. Mm-hmm. If I remember this correctly, it's the only game in history where <laughs> there are four ways of getting on base without putting the ball in play. Right. And it's the only game in history where all four of those methods happened in a row. <laughs> Obviously, you have a walk, a hit by pitch, a catcher's interference, and a drop third strike. It all happened consecutively. <laughs> well, the one was when Javi's completion of his backswing 
hit the catcher's glove, right? And the ball went back to the backstop and Jerry Lane didn't see it. Is that accurate? That's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, uh, if there had been instant replay back then for that particular play, the outcome could have been different because we, that was a crazy game. We were playing the infield in early. Javi made a great play at the plate. He threw somebody out. Uh, was going back and forth, back and forth. And that was a good team. That national team was a really good team. Uh, that's I've, I've talked to you about this before. That might have been the most uh, incredibly intense game I've had to manage in the playoff. I mean, you know, seven games, seven uh, Indians, et cetera. I get that. But this game had something attached to it. That You talk about exhaustion. That was the uh, NLDS. By the time we got to the CS but against the Dodgers, we were pretty much – our bullpen was exhausted. I'd used Wade Davis uh, two-plus innings just to get there. And then we had a, a medical had a layover in, in Albuquerque all night long. And then you go out and try to beat the Dodgers in L.A. with, with full rest. So all these little <laughs> ancillary components, again, conspire sometimes against you. So, yeah, rest can be very important. Yeah, and that's why I really look forward to this, uh, both LCSs, because nobody's really disadvantaged when it comes to going in there, like you said, playing a full complement of games, going through your bullpen, and it's like, how are we going to get through the first couple of games of the LCS? Well, these teams all got here in in short time and with the pitching lined up, and it's it's fascinating. We have a Final Four in which none of the four teams has won more than 90 games. It's the first ALCS in which neither team won more than 90 I'm not sure about the NLCS, but I imagine it's probably similar to that. Um, but that's a good thing, and it's uh, it should be really fun. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, Joe, and one thing we absolutely need to talk about when we get to this time of year in the LCS is the effect of the managers. We get some real four interesting managers running these games. We'll talk about that with Joe right after this. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. <laughs> Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. 
If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Hey, welcome back to the LCS edition of the Book of Joe podcast. Managers who made it to the final four. The youngest of them, Joe, is Tori Lovello at the age of 58. You've got Rob Thompson at 60, Bruce Bochy at 68, Dusty Baker at 74. And this is after the last couple of years watching, you know, Dusty go up against Rob Thompson last year. Dusty and Brian Snitker in his mid-60s the year before. Uh, Look around the game. There's a reason why these guys are in these spots. The years of experience, you can't tell me it doesn't matter, especially this time of year. Yeah, listen, uh, you're not going to get an argument from me, and I'm I'm so happy for all these guys. I'm friends with all of them. They're all really, really good at what they do. I mean, Tori, I had Tori as a, a player with the Angels when I was a young coach. I got to know Tori back in the day in the batting cages down at Gene Autry Park. Dusty and I have developed a good relationship over the years based on, you know, battling back and forth, uh, obviously. And Robbie Thompson, I was just so happy um, that he got that opportunity. And he's the perfect guy for that job in Philadelphia. I listened to him speak. And, uh, God, you talk about being able to disarm uh, immediately. And, of course, Boach. Boach and I go way back. I've had some very uh, good run-ins with him, uh, including you know twenty run to the twenty sixteen World Series and before and after that. I, my first time I saw Boach as a manager was in Riverside. He was managing a ball, and uh, I was I was uh, roving with the Angels and I was with Palm Springs playing. Drove over to Riverside and watched. And there's Boach, Bruce Boach. He's managing the Riverside, whatever they were at that time. So all these guys have uh, they've ridden the buses. You know, I like they've ridden the buses. They pulled tarps. They probably burned a baseball field or two at, at different points in their uh, ascension. So I like all that about it. Um, you know, and I, I'll always argue in favor of feel and an experience um, uh, and wisdom and whatever you and, and that blink moment where intuition takes over and you can make decisions based on all years of experience. And I think all these guys have that. And I'll always um, argue in favor of that. It's uh, they've seen. Uh, so many different situations and they've been through, we've talked about the meetings and evaluations of players, et cetera. And, and they're going to go um, and they're going to make decisions based on more human elements um, more consistently. And uh, to me, that's exactly the way it needs to be. You need to utilize all information at your disposal, but at the end of the day, it's one human versus another human, the better baseball player uh, making less mistakes or a better baseball team making less mistakes or being prepared in a moment is going to win, uh, especially when he gets this close. So happy for all these guys. I'm looking forward to watching them. Yeah, there's not going to be a lot of talk about scripts when it comes to running games in these LCSs. Um, Bruce Bochy and Rob Thompson in particular, Joe, um, they run games similar to the way you run games. If there's something they see in a moment, uh, they're prepared. Uh, listen, I, I say we're not going to hear about scripts. It doesn't mean you, you don't go into a game prepared for scenarios. You, you do, but you are not wedded to that script 
you know, as you know, more than anybody, things change in the course of a postseason game. And sometimes they can happen quickly. You need to adjust. I think these managers do that. And I think especially uh, Bochi and Thompson are very proactive, very aggressive when it term in terms of if there is a matchup that pops up in the sixth or seventh inning where they feel like the game is on the line, they're going to go to their high leverage guys. Now, you know, you need a deeper bullpen to be able to do that, and they have that. But just sort of the gumption to say, you know what, this guy is going to pitch in this spot because I feel like this is equivalent to an eighth inning high leverage situation. They will not hesitate to do that. Um, so it'll be fascinating to watch these guys run a game. Dusty Baker, all right-handed bullpen. Abreu has just been unbelievable for him out of his bullpen. I know without a lefty, you think, well, who are they going to match up against Corey Seager? doesn't matter. I mean, Abreu has not given up a run, folks, since the middle of the summer, since July. He's thrown 100 with a wipeout breaking ball. Uh, so this is not your cookie-cutter matchup left-on-left. Left. You know, let's check the OPSs. Uh, these managers know where the holes are in swings, which guys they trust in certain situations. Uh, this is not paint-by-numbers managing we'll be looking at here in the postseason. Well, yeah, first of all, you start off uh, – you always go with theory. Um, your theory is you sit down before the game. Uh, for me, it would be in the morning. Uh, I get all my information via PDFs. So I sit down. I, I map things out, go over different things, go for the bike ride or whatever, and then you, you think about this stuff. And then you get to the ballpark and you get your lineups – and then at that point, you, uh, I started writing my matchups down, whether it be um, uh, blocks where I want different relief pitchers and different blocks against their offense, where I think they might pinch it or I might pinch it. For. I write these things down on my card in advance. Uh, stolen, the stolen base guys, if there's a hit and run guy, what counts are they like to go on? I want, I want to predetermine all this in advance so that I'm not surprised by anything. So that's, it all comes down to theory. And then like you said, here comes reality. Here comes the game. And everything starts shifting but but the fact that you've done all this homework before slows that moment down because you've already prepared for this. Okay, all of a sudden you're getting that, and now it's easier to make that adjustment. Um, talking about getting your right relief pitchers in high leverage moments earlier in the game, again, that has to be thought about in advance. And Because um, I guess what, what Turner said is accurate regarding the speed of the game right now. So you have to really you have to be in advance of this moment in order to get that guy on a certain pitcher now, I mean, certain hitter, and again, you have to understand, I mean, you hate, hate, hate warming up a pitcher, getting him hot, and then maybe he doesn't go in the game. So that's that's the bane of all managers in bullpens where you do that and you lose some utility out of the guy just because he got hot. He got hot, he didn't get in the game, but that kind of counts almost as though he did. And so you're trying to be ready, but also avoid that particular moment. It used to happen more with matchup left-handed pitchers. I think lefties used to get abused more. Because you're getting them ready, getting them ready for this moment against a left-handed hitter. Boom, maybe a double play happens to hitter before, sit the guy down. Or maybe something happens and the game blows open a little bit on the previous hitter, sit him back down. Or the inning gets over, just gets over with the previous hitter, sit him back down. So these are the kind of things that you really have to stay on top of in advance, but you're also concerned about getting guys hot and then sitting them down. Last point, but I was just talking about Astros all righties. I think we went through that too for a bit with the Angels, although I've shown why eventually got to the bullpen. Um, when you have reverse guys, and Abreu, he don't care who's hitting. doesn't matter, righty, lefty, switch hitter, doesn't matter. Um, this guy's got that kind of stuff that beats both right and left-handed hitters. 
And when you get righties that beat lefties too, I'm always, you're looking for neutral guys, what you're really looking for. If you look at all this statistical information, look at the sheet, the statistical sheet, and you're looking for a, a relief pitcher, regardless if he's right or left-handed, that the numbers are kind of equally balanced on both sides. And that's the guy, those, if you could get a bullpen full of those dudes, man, you're not going to wear anybody out. You're going to be able to match it up easier. Get some, you get guys up uh, without any concern. Because if this pops, regardless of who they send up there, I feel pretty good about this. So when you're when you're putting your team together in the offseason and the guys you're looking for to build a cachet with, to me, would be neutral relief pitchers. Second, I would take the reverse guy. The specialist has really uh, gone kind of like to the wayside based on a three-batter minimum. So th- these are the kind of things that I look to prepare for before the game. And theory and reality obviously are two different things. Yeah, to me, the big matchup, Joe, is Abreu on Seager. That's the key matchup to watch in that series in the ALCS. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think just think the way Abreu is throwing the ball right now. I I, th- I like the Astros bullpen in general. In the first round, they allowed the Twins a 186 batting average from the seventh inning on, and you certain, certainly saw that in uh, in the clinching game where the Twins just had trouble even getting the ball in play against Neris, Abreu, and Presley. Uh, I think there's an edge there for Houston. The other thing I like here, Joe, is that when any of these managers sits in that post-game conference room and explains a move, you as a fan should feel really confident that he's telling you the truth about a move that he made, that he, in the course of the heat of the moment, the manager made the move and not somebody wearing a polo shirt upstairs because that happens way too much. And, you know, I didn't like it with John Schneider uh, taking Barrios out of that game when they had a script to go to the lefty Kikuchi and flip the Minnesota lineup in the wild card round. I didn't like when Ross Atkins, the GM, came out and basically, you know, didn't take responsibility. I mean, to me, leadership also means putting people in position to lead and empowering them. John Schneider is a young manager, right? If you're a front office, you have to empower him to make decisions in the course of the game. And you can sit there as a GM and you can say, you know what? We don't tell our manager what to do. And you can say that, and that would literally be true. But if you're putting thoughts in his head and giving him information, and this guy is not an established big league manager, what is he going to do? The path of least resistance is what he's going to choose. He's going to speak to in the heat of the moment, the ideas that were put into his head by the information you're giving him as his boss. And so I tell, try to tell fans all the time, when you're second-guessing the manager, most of the times in the big leagues these days, you're second-guessing the front office. Don't lay it on the manager. Don't always put it on Dave Roberts if he's taking his pitcher out of the game in the fourth inning. Um, so I think I feel good in this situation with these four managers that if they make a move, they're doing it based on their years of experience in the game and what they're seeing at that moment. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll give you an amen on that one. But uh, also um, to just um, try to complete the thought, yeah, all these guys want information, but there's always been information. We used to have what we called an advanced scout, and the advanced scout would go out in advance of the team that you're going to play, and he would compile information regarding their hitters, their, where you want to play people on defense, how do you attack their pitchers? If there's any signs you could pick up, you've always had information. The difference now is that you could accumulate more because now every game, every team, every game is being tracked. So you got this bank of stuff where before it was maybe not as exact. It was more observational as opposed to GPS good. 
And at this time of the year, and when he got to the playoffs, they had more than one guy covering each team. So they tried to split the responsibilities. They would report back. They'd come back to the city, and they would sit there with the manager and the coaching staff and say, this is what I saw. And when the coaching staff would have the meeting with the players, whomever these advanced scouts were, if they could be there at that time, or at least one of them, or at least on the phone, would sit there to support if there was anything that they, they'd forgotten about or whatever. I love that method. I do love that method. I'm not saying I don't like the method of accumulating information via uh, video um, or, or just, you know, little marks, data, whatever. I, I like that too, because again, it could be more accurate when it comes to what you're talking about. However, it just comes down to how is it dispensed among the group? So you give information to coaches and managers. Absolutely. Give us, give us as much as you got. We'll take it. We want it. We want it. We want to work. We want to work in conjunction with all uh, the analytical groups we do. But then there's at some point we got to say thank you and we'll see you tomorrow after you've accumulated more information regarding tomorrow's game. But to to stand there and just to kind of dictate strategy to you uh, as the manager, again, it only serves to confuse. I promise you not. The manager asks that. Like if I'm the man and I, you know, you've, you've said some different things to me and I say, okay, no. Um, I give them a scenario like, okay, we get to this particular juncture in the game and it comes like this, the situation you're talking about with Alvarado and um, Harris hitting and, you know, the potential for pinch hitting. Do you have any suggestions there? Should we get, should we get Kimbrell in the game or do you like Alvarado facing a left-hander? As an example, if I ask that question, I don't want them to tell me that unilaterally. I want to wait till, let me ask the question, let the coach ask the question and then, and then tell us what you think. That to me is the right way to do this. But to constantly fill your, uh, put your thoughts in the head of whomever, last point, unless, and again, this has got to be like really delicate, but you have a great relationship as a manager with whomever's giving you the information. And then you, you're, you're more uh, at ease with this person making suggestions to you. But you know it's a suggestion and you know it's not one of those things like an edict. Like you got to do this. And like you said, then a young manager is going to want to do this because he doesn't want to disappoint doesn't want to do something wrong. I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to have to answer to this. It doesn't, and it's not even answering to the public. Don't want to answer to people upstairs. This is the, tr- the tricky part about all this. So um, information's always been gathered. We didn't call it analytics. We called it advanced scouting. Uh, now they call it analytics. It could be more precise. I understand that. However, it's kind of the same thing. And please stop calling a slur of the sweeper. <laughs> uh i've actually come around on that i'm okay with it because a lot of these pitchers they want their pitches to be called the sweeper so uh but i i think joe that the bigger point here is we're looking at a final four here at major league baseball where it's been reinforced that information is great knowledge is great but it's even better when it's combined with wisdom and i i use that distinction all the time that there is a huge distinction between knowledge and wisdom, and they're not competing forces. They're complementary forces. And why wouldn't you want both at your disposal? Uh, it's kind of like you as a manager, Joe. I, I know you, you've always said this. You want as much information as possible. And this is what we're talking about here. Wisdom is a piece of information. It's a piece of the decision-making tree here. Uh, and I think having these four managers remaining here in Major League Baseball, as we've seen the last couple of years, is a reminder that that is valuable, that it matters. And that, that leads me, and I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about this, uh, you know, stories popped up 
about your interest in getting back to the dugout. We do have certain jobs available. Um, not sure what's happening here with them, Joe, or how far along teams are, but um, why don't you just tell our, our listeners here of your interest in getting back into the dugout? Oh, you know, I've, 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 believe me, man, I've sat and I'm watching these games like we were talking about, and I've, I've really done a lot of uh, deep reflection on all of this stuff. And um, would I like to get back in a dugout? I would, but it's got to be the right marriage. It's like anything else. Um, it's got to be a group that I would be compatible with um, that understands that absolutely, um, gosh, I was like at the forefront of all the analytical movement. I, I want information, absolutely, but I also want to be empowered. Um, I want I want the ability to to do what I wanted, what I, what I think is the right thing to do in the moment. I want to be able to to build the philosophy within the clubhouse and within the team on the field. Um, I want that autonomy to be everything that I've learned over the last, I don't know how many years I've been doing this. And um, But I, I do want collaboration. I do want cooperation. I've always been about that, 100%. But when it comes to the day of the game, when it comes to the actual game, um, the less noise, the better uh, to be... Uh, permit it to work among the the coaching staff, the players, um, and just kind of like, for lack of a better term, do your thing. Because what happens is when you get too many folks wanting to be part of the the recipe, uh, be the, again the too many chefs thing, it get be ter- it it just confuses. It does not clarify. It confuses when there's too many voices wanting to be part of the decision making process. So yes, I'd like to do it. I'd love to do it with the right dance partner. Absolutely. And again, like I was saying, it's uh, I would want to be empowered to do what I've learned over the last, I don't know, 30, 40 years uh, with total collaboration and cooperation with the front office, 100%. But when, that, when it comes down to game day and you get to the ballpark and after I've gotten everything I needed to be given, that then you're left your own devices to uh, interact with your coaching staff, with your players, with the press, and not always have to ask the question, could I say this to so-and-so? Um, you just do it because you've been empowered by the group to do it and they trust in your judgment to say the right thing and do the right thing. That's what I'm looking for. Well, again, th- this is a uh, reinforcement here that that's, that's what works. Uh, these final four managers, I think if you watch these games, folks, and listen, we all love it this time of year. We all are managers ourselves in our hearts. And we manage along with them. We love to second guess. It's part of the fun of the game. Um, but I, I think in these these four with these four managers, you can feel confident that they're making decisions they truly believe in, and they will all and I mean to a man, they will all step up and, and take responsibility whether it works, but especially if it doesn't work, and they will give you reasons why they did it. So um, it, it's kind of an old fashioned postseason coming up here, Joe. The LCS battle of wits, yeah, that's that's a big part of it. We talk about matchups, pitching on hitting, and vice versa, and catchers running a game, but. Eventually, you know, the managers come to the fore in postseason baseball. There's just so many decisions. Everything has consequence to it. Uh, they, they can't help but be part of the story, and that's what ba- makes baseball so much fun this time of year. Really looking forward to these LCSs. Same here. And, and, and again, uh, maybe like just to tie, put a ribbon on all this um, joy, the word joy, the word fun, the word pleasure, the word, um, you know, the the – that the thing that you've been striving to do or be your entire life, and there's got to be a joy attached to it. And that's, that's, that's really what I would want 
within this group that I would work for again. It's a joy for the day. Um, this interaction, this cooperation, this collaboration, uh, that when, when somebody walked, if you're, if you're, if you're sitting there, if I'm sitting there talking to Tom Verducci in a room that I don't have to like really be staring at the door to see who's going to walk in. So I have to alter my conversation. Uh, when you get to that point and Joyce subtracted, that's not leading. You're, whoever's, who's ever caused me to look at that door, you're not leading. You're, you're, you're con- attempting to control. Uh, I, I really love open dialogue as a manager. I want to be disagreed with. I want to be disagreed with, but just give me a good reason why you're disagreeing with me. Uh, and I love that. I don't like that. I love that. I love uh, um, uh, uh, altering a, 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 an altered opinion. And I love a, a real good, lively discussion based on disagreement. And we're all going to get better by it. And I don't know that that's happening anymore because there's, we used to have meetings, man. I'm telling you, brother, no holds barred. You can say whatever you want it with respect. I mean, you're not going to start attacking people. You're just, you're just, you're, you're, you're strongly presenting your opinion on something and you're being heard. I think that's all a real baseball person wants. Uh, the people that I grew up with, they could be in a room where they just cannot wait to get to this room with a bunch of other dudes and discuss what's happening with this organization, with this team, with these players and just love every second of it because you don't have to withhold anything from within because you know it's not going to be taken the wrong way. And somebody's actually going to have their ears open and listen to you. That's what I know is missing in a lot of situations and talking to different player uh, coaches and managers and even players. And that's what we're seeking. That's what, uh, if you talk about baseball folks that have been doing this for a while, they just seeking that openness, that open, frank conversation. That's where you really get somewhere. And that's how you get better. Uh, thick skin with respect. Joe, you always have some, some great quotations to take us out. Uh, I just wanted to, before we get to you, throw one out there that really resonated with me. And it comes from twins pitcher, Pablo Lopez, uh, just a fantastic dude, by the way, besides being a great pitcher. Um, pressure is a privilege. I, I love that the simplicity of it and just the, the way it rings so true this time of year, pressure is a privilege. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? That means you want the big moment and it, you use that word joy. I think about players playing with joy in the heat of the moment, not an easy thing to do. Um, but I, I, when I hear pressure is a privilege, I think of the two teams that I picked before this tournament began to match up in the world series and that's Philadelphia and Houston. It's not to say the other teams don't, but there's just a little bit more that I see from those two teams battle tested. Absolutely. But the DNA of these teams, you know, the extroverted nature of, of wanting the spotlight on them, wanting the pressure of a situation, pressure is a privilege. Uh, that's why I went with Philadelphia and Houston and I'm still there. So <laughs> I'm, I'm halfway there. I said I had Philadelphia and Baltimore, but wow. I mean, this is another uh, incredible moment because again, I don't know what Tom's going to ask me at this particular juncture. I didn't know you're going to come up even with the managerial thoughts, <clears throat> excuse me, or this Pablo Lopez quote, but I went with this and it's written down right here. And it comes from Leo, uh, Leonardo da Vinci. It's crazy. Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I wrote that down about an hour ago. And then here he comes with the uh, pressure is a privilege quote. It's true, man. I've, I have my T-shirt, do simple better. I, I, 
I always thought that that could uh, somewhat rival uh, just do it. And when I when I thought about that years ago, and and I've always uh, been aware of reduce, 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 make things simple so that if you want to present it to your guys in a hot situation, they can use it. They cannot use complicated. They cannot use um, a, a glut or a pile of information. They need a simple nugget thought. So do simple better. Or as uh, Mr. Da Vinci said <laughs> years prior to me, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. And I love that. Love that, Joe. Looking forward to it. Hey, listen, we'll be back in the course of the LCSs to dive into what's been happening. I will be on the Houston, Texas series. So for me, you'll get an inside behind the scenes look of what's going on in the dugouts, in the clubhouses. And with Joe, certainly you will get a perspective from inside the manager's head and what's going on in these games. He's lived it. He's done it. He's been there. So, Stick around. We'll probably take a, a look midway through the series at how we got through the first couple of games and uh, stick around with us throughout the postseason on the Book of Joe. Joe, it's always a privilege. We'll see you next time. Same here, brother. Enjoy the bus rides. <laughs> Back in the old Texas League. Brother, I did it. I did it, man. First front seat on the right, pillows, blankets, air conditioning cranked up, and a good book on my lap. Sounds good by me. Take care. See you, buddy. The Book of Joe podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.